Welcome to The Rewatchables. We're brought to you by SeatGeek, the presenting sponsor of the Bill Simmons Podcast, the easiest way to shop for the best tickets. Thanks to their revolutionary grading system. Download the SeatGeek app today or go right to SeatGeek.com. We're also brought to you, obviously, by TheRinger.com. We are part of The Ringer Podcast Network. And this is one that Chris Ryan and I did back in December of 2015, about three months after I relaunched the Bill Simmons Podcast. And it was the 20th anniversary of Heat. Chris Ryan loves Heat. I love Heat. We decided, let's do an entire podcast about Heat. And it actually became kind of what the DNA of this Rewatchables podcast feed is. Um, we want to do stuff, movies that we love, deep dives. And uh, there is no deeper deep dive you will ever hear in your life than this deep dive that Chris Ryan and I did on Heat. It's actually probably my favorite podcast that I've done in the last uh, two plus years, ever since... Ever since, uh, I guess, minus two, two minus years, less than two years, whatever. Since we relaunched the Bill Simmons podcast, I love this one. And uh, I love that there's someone out there that loves this movie as much as I do. So here we go. Chris Ryan and I talking about Heat, a rewatchable first ballot Hall of Famer. It's the 20th anniversary of one of my favorite movies of all time. It's called Heat. It stars Robert De Niro and Al Pacino and about 25 other people that we know and love. It's directed by Michael Mann. I think it's his peak movie. Chris Ryan is here. We've had many arguments about who liked this movie more, me or Chris Ryan, and I and I think it's a tie. I, it is my favorite movie. It's your favorite movie yeah. ever. It is my favorite movie ever. I think it's the film I've seen the most over the course of my life. I'm a little disappointed. I was hoping we could record this pot, podcast at BJ's at BJ's on Alvarado at 2 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> but we're stuck here. It'll have to do. How is there <laughs> stuff happening at Figaro and Flower, but then Venice at the same time? There's the, some street name mess ups in that movie. The great mystery of Michael Mann is the way he collapses Los Angeles traffic on itself. Because that's great. the whole thing with collateral, right? Yeah. It's like Jamie Foxx is like, I can get you from LAX to downtown in seven minutes. Yeah. It's like, come on. It man. sounds great. So I watched it again last night. One of my angles on this movie is that 95 was like the last pre-internet year. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was the internet, but there wasn't. Like I didn't even have an email address, I don't think, until 96. Some people did. But it was like, you know, the internet for the next couple of years started to change how we regarded movies and how we anticipated them and what we knew about them. Yeah, for But sure. even as late as the 90s, like Blair Witch Project came out. I went to that movie. I didn't know if it was real or not <laughs> on that Friday night. Now if that came out, it would have no chance. Yeah. But when he came out, all we knew was there was a trailer and De Niro and Pacino were in it and they were in the same movie and they were in the same scenes and De Niro was the bad guy and Pacino was the cop and everyone was in. Yeah. Like just all the way in. You and couldn't you be to, more in. You have to remember where these guys were. I mean, we look at them sometimes now with a little bit of like right. smiling derision or just like sympathy, but it, these these this was them at the top of their craft still. I mean, De Niro was coming off of Goodfellas and Pacino would have this big sort of renaissance in the 90s with Scent of a Woman and Heat. So these guys are still big draws and considered the top of their craft. And they had been in Godfather 2 together, but were not in any scenes together in Godfather 2. And ironically, good Godfather 2 was like 20 years before Mm -hmm. this movie now it's 20 years since heat but um they were never in the same scene they actually de niro played michael corleone's dad but mm -hmm. the young version of him de niro did he win did he get did he win best supporting actor for godfather 2 yeah. i believe so yeah right and that was part of the appeal was this is awesome these guys are in the same movie de niro was coming off a really nice stretch where i think Goodfellas was 1990, I want to say, but then he had also had that like Bronx tale and he, he was pumping out movies yeah. and he was kind of in his 
post prime Cape prime. Fears around there. Cape Fear. Yeah. yeah, he's he was on a good run. And Pacino had basically disappeared for most of the eighties. He came back with Sea of Love. Scent of a Woman, I think, was ninety-three. He wins the Oscar finally. And uh and unfortunately he turned into the Scent of the Woman guy, which which can carries over into heat, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. You're right. So he had done Revolution in 85 and then he disappears for four years. He, and he was doing back. stage. I think he was having some personal issues. Yeah. He goes Sea of Love, Dick Tracy, Godfather 3, yeah. Frankie and Johnny, eh, Glenn Gary. He's incredible. Scent of a Woman, Carlito's Way, Heat. Yeah. Nice run. So before Sign of a Woman, there was a little like, oh, Pacino. Yeah. What's know. going on? Like De Niro. And De Niro versus Pacino, I did this in, on ESPN.com in 2001. One of my first big meal brag, I used to call them the Dr. Jack breakdowns, was De Niro versus Pacino. This was like the bird versus magic for actors. Mm-hmm. You, you, it sounds weird to say this now because I don't think anyone argues about actors this way. Well, how few, the, 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 the track that they followed was very similar. New York. It came out of the 70s. Working in like greedy crime films in the 70s with these huge auteurs. A lot of New York movies. Uh, yeah. And they were the they were the place where the critical acclaim for the actor was actually met by some box office appeal. Like there wasn't just, they weren't like, oh, well, actors love these guys or like only critics and fanboys love these guys. These were like huge movie stars. And both Italian. Yeah. Um, the Godfather thing obviously tied them together. I Combined, they probably made nine or 10 movies set in New York. Yeah. Yeah. And a uh, little bit mythical off the, off the screen. Yeah. Method actors, guys method who actors, really weird. put themselves into their roles. Yeah. yeah. Nobody could totally get a handle on them. And, uh, and it really looked like De Niro had won the rivalry and then the scent of a woman, um, which was a big commercial movie, but also big for Pacino. It was kind of like he, he laid the smack. Yeah. That down. was his, the Rain Man move. He did a, a move like he yeah. did. He was his Oscar B and it worked. He's yeah. great in that movie. It's yeah. a ridiculous movie. Absolutely. I don't totally understand Son of a Woman. Like when it's on cable, it's like, wow, how did this movie get made? It basically comes down to this huge showdown of, of somebody might've not told the truth about some statue that had been defaced. And it's like a whole court. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But he's great in it. He's amazing. You know, it's also worth thinking about, 95 in movies Great and thinking run. about how, um, especially for like crime movies like this, you're coming out of a time period where like, this is right when Quentin starts to hit. So it's Reservoir Dogs is I think 92 and um, uh, Pulp's, Pulp's 94. 94. Yeah. And there are all these movies that are ripping Reservoir and Pulp off, especially in like the tone. So the tone is really winking. It's very self-aware. It's very like referential to pop culture and stuff like that. So, you know, Reservoirs and, uh, you know, Usual Suspects that come out that August um, and that was incredible, but that was almost, you know, a referendum on crime movies because it's, you know, the guy who you don't expect to be the, yeah, the, the villain twist. is the villain. Right. So he comes and I remember it was that December. Um, I think I was on Christmas break from college my freshman year and there was this huge blizzard in Philly. But I remember going all the way to the theater in this blizzard and being like one of 10 people in the theater because it was almost shut down. And immediately just it felt like a completely different experience than those other kind of more those more like ironic, not even ironic, but those more like postmodern films. This was like so confident and rooted in a place. And I had never been to Los Angeles. And that's the thing about Heat is it's an incredible Los Angeles. Very good LM. And Collateral is almost like the LA sequel of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's just, it was, it was, it felt different. It was so long. You know what I mean? I don't think that there were a lot of like three hour crime movies at that time. Yeah. And I don't know what I would have. There's definitely 25 minutes to cut out of this movie. Yeah, there's entire I'm plot lines positive. you could have gotten, gotten rid of, but that I think has a little bit to do with the fact that. So I didn't know this 
until recently, but this was an, he was originally a, a pilot that I never knew that. And it's on YouTube. Yeah, LA it's called Takedown. LA Takedown. And it was uh, apparently if Brandon Tartikoff and Michael Mann had agreed on the actor, the lead actor, they would have just way, made never heard show. of again. Yeah. There was some dude, Adam Plank or yeah. somebody like that. Yeah, Scott Plank, I think. Scott yeah. Plank. And if they had just agreed on this, they, Heat never would have happened. It just would have been a TV show like Miami Vice. The other thing with the, the Michael Mann was also in his prime. Oh yeah, so he's coming off of Manhunter and Last of the Mohicans. Yeah, and I idolized that guy when yeah. in the by and the Miami Vice. Yeah, well, he'd first done the Jericho Mile, right. which is the greatest TV movie of all time, in my opinion, and for me, a top twelve sports movie. And I, I don't need, I don't even think it exists anywhere. But it's if you have a chance, watch the Jericho Mile if it's somewhere. Then goes and does Vice. Uh, it's unclear how much. How involved he was in Vice, but um, I think for the aesthetics, he definitely he created had a lot the look. Yeah. yeah, he did the pilot. Yeah, he, he hired all the, the people. The he hired Don scene. Johnson. Yeah, yeah, he did all that stuff. Crime Story, mm-hmm. uh, Last of the Mohicans, which has not aged great, but in the moment was really cool and kind of symbolic of the early nineties romantic. But it's yeah. it's you know it's funny. It's like it's not unlike the Revenant, which which we got a chance to check out. Yeah, and it's. You know, 20 years ago, more than 20 years ago, he's doing a lot of the stuff that Inaritu winds up doing in The Revenant with these sweeping shots of these like hand-to-hand combat battles on the frontier. It's pretty incredible. It's actually Jeremiah Johnson, Last of the Mohicans, and The Revenant. And they all kind of speak to whatever the era was. The Last of the Mohicans was basically that kind of post MTV video, lots of driving music and lots of scenes with no dialogue. Yeah, and up until he, his like directing is very painterly. It's very, it's not still necessarily, but it's just, it looks like a moving like landscape painting. And then when he goes to heat, it starts getting a little bit more handheld and a little bit more gritty. And like, it looks a little bit more, it's not quite digital, but it feels like very like modern. You yeah. Know? I used to go, so like I'm living in Boston for the whole 1990s, basically. Mm-hmm. And that winter of 95 was one of my worst winters I think I've ever had in my life. Like I'm between girlfriends then started dating the wrong girlfriend, uh, I'm at the Herald. I'm getting buried. Mm-hmm. I'm doing covering all these high school sports. It's this monster blizzard year. I think we had like 10 blizzards that yeah, year. My I- cars just keeps getting towed over and over again. It was just miserable. The Celtics are awful. All the teams are awful. I think the Patriots, it was, I don't, I don't, the Patriots might've come on that year. That might've been the one silver lining, but just, I love going to the movies. It was like, it was the one thing I had yeah. is I'm going to go to the Somerville theater. I'm going to see a movie and I can't. So the heat's on the radar. It's like, oh my God, this is the highlight of my and month. It was a the Christmas heat's coming movie. out. Yeah. It was like it December was, 15th. Yeah. It's like, this is great. I can't wait to see this. And it was even better than I thought it was going to be. Oh, you stumbled could, out of the theater. Well, I didn't because know what I to think do. that there's a couple of scenes in there that were unlike anything we had seen before. So yeah. that opening heist with the trucks and it's like the way that they build up to that, where you start and the credits are rolling and you're like, why is this guy People are moving. stealing an ambulance? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Why is this guy buying detonation equipment from a, like a Home Depot in Arizona? And, you know, the, you, you meet Wayne Grow at the food stand. and He's, he's officially Wayne Grow, right? I don't think he has a real name. No, is, I don't think. If you think he goes he's into Wayne a bar. Yeah, I yeah, hope he has like, like hey, a much different. Yeah. And you get slowly starts and Sizemore's like, don't, you know, stop talking, you know. And that first... Uh, that first heist with the trucks and with the uh, 
with with the with the cops coming and like the chain across the road flattens their tires and it takes your breath away and that's like a 25 minute sequence and, and they it, did it for real it yeah. wasn't cgi it yeah, was yeah. like they knocked down the truck i remember the sound and you could see it when the dvds came out a couple of years later like the way they did the sound in the theater it yeah. was you almost had a heart that's attack that's the same thing with the machine guns and the bank robbery yes. scene like, so it's just like it's cacophonous like it's yeah and you can it almost feels like how that would sound on those big avenues down in Figueroa and Flower and Fifth Street, where it's just like you could imagine the echo going off like that. Well, that was so DVDs kind of came to prominence in the mid 90s. Yeah. And I remember I had started bartending in 96. And like one of the first things I bought was a nice TV and a DVD player. And Heat was in that for, I can't remember when it came out. That was one of the first DVDs that just like it was an experience. Yeah. And now it'd be primitive. Everyone's got awesome setups now, but, um, that bank robbery scene, yeah. You know, all of a sudden, your living room, you get decent TV, the picture's clear. It was the first time I ever felt like I, I was at the movies at my own house. And of course, I was stoned out of my mind. Yeah. So it was like freaking out, like eating Sour Patch Kids and just watching well, the bank it's, robbery Well, because it's also an action again. scene that's on the level of anything like Die Hard or Lethal Weapon. But it has none of the fakeness to it where there's like guys saying funny lines to each other or you see nah. it coming from a mile away or it's like, well, he's got to fight this guy because this is the second in command of the bad guys and the second good guy has to fight him. It's none of that stuff, but it's just as cool or, you know, it's just as exciting as Predator or Lethal Weapon or Die Hard. Well, I'll, I'll go further. What 15 minute action scene is better? No, I, That's a 15 minute <laughs> scene. It might even be 20 minutes. Yeah. But like if I'm flipping channels and that's about to come on, I'm done. Yeah. I'm if just we're within in. a half an hour of that scene. Yeah. It's like, all right, I'm yeah. going to stick around. And that's the other thing about Heat is that it came out at a time, and you've talked about this all the time, but the way that these movies would insinuate themselves into your life through cable. Yeah. And Heat is a movie that has all these huge, dis- these distinct parts that you're like, Oh, I'm just going to, I'm going to watch until this happens. I'm going to yeah. watch until Jeremy Piven shows up, or I'm going to watch until Henry Rollins gets thrown through the door. And you can, you know, you watch it in these 35 minute chunks. It almost felt like a long television movie or something like yeah. that, that you could watch over a couple of nights. It had like a second and a third life because DVD helped. But then, as you said, like the cable channels really took off in the mid nineties and you have been a whole on, package and yeah, it's, it's a been three on once thing. a week for like 20 yeah. years. Yeah. And you jump in whenever you want. And there were a couple movies like that. Like The Fugitive was like that. Yeah. I think The Fugitive had a second life. It was so easy to jump in and out of that one. But uh, The Heat, you know, it's long. Mm -hmm. Doesn't help from TV purposes. It has not translated to TNT or any of those. It it really has to be movie cable because on TNT, it's four hours. Or they'd have to chop 40 minutes out of it or whatever. But um what struck what struck me when I watched last night, so many people in their prime or their post prime, and not just De Niro Pacino and Michael Mann, but like it's Sizemore's best movie. It's Val Kilmer at probably his most interesting. I don't know. I think yeah, it's his it's best movie, like, but it's still movie star, like super attractive Kilmer, but you can see his face is aged a little bit. He's got a little bit more gruff in his voice, got like a little bit more character. Cause he was, you know, when you see Top Gun and you see Kilmer and Cruz. I don't know. It's it's hard to tell. Like those guys were like neck and neck in terms of their. Oh, these are the next two big movie stars. Right. And the heat kind of brought Kilmer back. Yeah. And then there was like a couple year window after that where, you know, I the best analogy was you'd think you would have thought like a Johnny Depp type of yeah. second act for him. And he had the Michael Douglas never, movie, the Lion movie that he made, Doctor Moreau, which was terrible. And all of a sudden, he well, made what the was Blind the big, movie. The Shadow was that the the, the Saint? The Saint was the thing that he was going to make a big. 
that was supposed to be his sort of entree into like a, a franchise or you're, something. You're like trolling that. me right now. I know. I love the Saint. The Saint should have been a franchise, but it wasn't. You know what I mean? And it's like the Saint was great. Yeah, and then you see different things that he probably. I mean, who knows what happens if he's in Hunt for October or if he's in any one of these movies? I think that, he was a, a super weirdo. Oh, Kilmer? That, oh yeah. I mean, remember, even in the nineties, I think he was too weird. Yeah, yeah. Chuck yeah. Klosterman has a great like PC to yes Kilmer. when he was full just, weird. Yeah, but I think he was always weird. And I, sure. I think that hurt him. Like Johnny Depp's weird, but not in a way where people are afraid to hire him. Yeah. And Johnny Depp obviously has found the five people who understand his weirdness and they just happen to be like Tim Burton and Gordon right. Rinsky and they make multi-million dollar movies. I found you and Sean. Uh, <laughs> so, so you have De Niro and Pacino, you have Kilmer, best Sizemore ever. Oh yeah. You have the birth of John Voight as all of a sudden becoming a character, character actor. actor. Yeah. yeah. And they, it launched like his whole character thing. You have five guys who became the guys that weren't their names. So Wes Studi is basically Last of Mohicans bad guy. Yes. Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs, Ted Levine. Great. And he's like so he's so cool in this movie. He's she, like, was she a big fat person? <laughs> you don't know what pain is, lady. Uh you have you have Bubba Gump. Michael T. Michael Williamson. Michael T. Williamson. Yeah. You have Wayne Grow, who's just Wayne Grow. I don't even oh, yeah, think he no, has a real name. He's now signing autographs as Wayne Grow. Now I'm gonna go super Super, super IMDb dark on your hair. Silent Rage guy. Who's that? Brian Libby who, from who, Silent Rage. He's in Shawshank. He plays one of the one of the <laughs> one of the buddies in Shawshank. He's the bad guy in Silent Rage. He's one of those guys. He's a great that guy. Who's he in Heat? He's one of the cops. Oh wow. He's in the Pacino team. So there's a couple other guys. There's William Fitchner, who's in Armageddon and a bunch of '90s stuff. He there's, plays Van Sant, the money like the money laundering guy. Tom Noonan. Tom Noonan, who's internet in, legend. Yeah, and he's the one who invents the internet. You know, right. while he's like, his stuff is just out there. Yeah. Telcom, <laughs> it's just out there. All you know is grab it. I can grab it. 13.9 million. It's true. That movie and Sandra Bullock and the Dead invented the internet. Yeah. Hank Azaria. Yep. Dennis Haysbert, who went on to become the president in 24. Jeremy Piven. Jeremy with no Piven hair. is just a one-off scene. I couldn't tell. Is that considered a cameo or was that really all Jeremy Piven could do at the time? That that was it. Yeah. He's Because he's in like what uh PCU, right? Yeah. He doesn't want us to remember he's in that movie. Yeah, he's he did in not singles. have the he's Ari sh- Ari hair. hair yeah, Doctor Heal Thyself. He doesn't have he has not yet gotten the Ari hair. Two incredible cameos. Henry Rollins wasn't even a cameo. He was in like <laughs> five in scenes. Yeah. He's like a key part. Yeah. Nobody remembers who Henry Rollins is now unless you're like in our age range. But yeah. Henry Rollins had a run there with MTV, the liar song, and a bunch of them. He was in that movie with Christy Swanson and Charlie Sheen, yep. the Chase, right? And then Tone Loke. Oh, yeah. Which is, that that cameo is not age well from a who the hell is that guy perspective. Right. But in the moment, I was like, hey, that's Tone Loke. I love all those scenes, the one at the chop shop, and then he goes and sees Tone Loke at the at BJ's on Alvarado at 2 a.m. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, Four Women. Ashley Judd, peak Ashley Judd. Absolutely. Has never looked better in a movie. Has, I've never liked her more in a movie. Diana Venora never totally made Stage it, but has done yeah, a bunch of different stuff. Around. But he's actually, I love their relationship. She's it's great, really man. great. Yeah, it shouldn't work in every scene. You should, but it's actually good, and it's messed up. Natalie Portman, second yeah. movie ever, right? Right after the Professional, right? Or right before it? And you could have, if you're talking about cutting down the movie, maybe take out every Natalie Portman. Right. Scene. So we mentioned it's LA Takedown, and I think that you feel it feels like sometimes like the Dennis Haysbert plot line and the Natalie Portman plot line feel like television plot lines. Like if you're on episode nine of the season of heat, 
you're like, okay, yeah, let's spend, let's find out why like the Natalie Portman character is depressed or how it's going for this guy being a short order cook at a diner. But in the movie Heat, it feels a little bit extraneous. Although I think that one of the things that this film is does really well is show how all of these people's lives just kind of intersect it with this, this like perfect moment for all this stuff to happen. Right. Yeah. And we, and the last female, Amy Brenneman. Yeah. Judging Amy. Incredible Amy Brenneman run there in the mid 90s. NYPD Blue. She's great. Yeah. I was immediately had a crush on her. I was like, I'd love to meet her and marry her if possible. Then she was in, uh, in this. Yeah. She left NYPD Blue to do, to make movies. And I think that she just wound up doing Judging Amy for a few years. Is that right? Oh, you left out a key one. Which one? Daylight with Sly Stallone. Oh, right. (laughs) How dare you? And now she's had a comeback with The Leftovers. I always liked her. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about um, her relationship with Neil McCauley, because I always find their meet cute to be really weird, where it's just like they meet in that bookstore, you know, and she's, she walks by him and then they see each other again at the diner and she's just like, what's your book about? And he's like, medals. <laughs> it's just like, it's not exactly like the stuff that Tinder dreams are made out of, but they I really wind up hitting it off. Should we just go to the lessons? Because that was one of yeah, my sure, lessons. Yeah, sure. Let's do some of it. We, yeah. we can do tangents off the lessons. Uh this is one of the lessons from Heat. Never fall for a guy who starts courting you by saying, lady, why are you so interested in what I read and what I do? That's it. Walk away. That's not making yourself emotionally available. Yeah. Really. Walk yeah. away. This yeah. is not meant to last. <laughs> and that's how their courting starts. Why does she like De Niro? And she, I mean, talk about I think having- she's lonely. She's like from Kentucky and she's just like working as a graphic designer. I can't believe I know all this about like Edie, the character, <laughs> Edie. but she's working as a graphic designer in Santa Monica. And she says that the city is kind of lonely. And that's when Neil's like, I am alone. I am not lonely. Do you know, remember right. that? And they just kind of hit it off. I don't know. He goes up and shows her the algae, the way that the sea looks like algae at night or whatever. Or he talks about going to Tahiti and he has that whole speech and they just, they're, they're two crazy kids in love. Well, that was a minor lesson for me. This is one of the major lessons. Yeah. There's five major lessons in heat. And this is lesson number one and something I hope my daughter remembers someday. Never fall for a guy with no furniture. <laughs> That's a really good point. It's great. Yeah. He's like, I'll get around to it. You're going to get around to furniture? That 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 makes me nervous. Why don't you have furniture? You don't have a TV? So you think not having furniture is a bigger deal than falling in love with a guy with a reckless and debilitating gambling habit? Like, like the Val Kilmer character has. At least that's something. No furniture is like nothing. The because guy can be gone tomorrow. Ashley Judge shoes. It's just like he comes home. He's just robbed. The, he's just robbed this uh, this bank bank truck, and he's just like, "I'm sorry, baby. I had to pay off some debts. You know, I had the yeah. game. Like, I I lost. I, I took a wash in the Super Bowl, and she's just it's so mad. Well, that's you brought up the Netflix and. It struck me last night. This would have been the greatest ten episode Netflix series oh, of all absolutely. time because yeah. We never see the Val Kilmer gambling problem. We I'd don't have to. the scene where he drives to Foxwoods and loses $58,000 in three hours. That's because you know he, goes, he drives out to Arizona to get the detonating, the detonation stuff for the for the truck. And on his way back, you know he stops at Morongo. No question. <laughs> I want to see Val Kilmer. I want to see him on 7th Street get <laughs> killed by the last ace coming around the corner. <laughs> I'll get the money tomorrow. You better. I want all those scenes. We didn't get any of those. It was just like, yeah, he has a gambling problem. Does Val Kilmer, is, is he? the toughest guy ever to have that haircut 
Yeah. In that movie, the blonde. It was really the only, the only era you could have gotten away yeah. with the haircut and been a bad guy. Yeah. Like it's a holdover from the late 80s. Nobody's told him that he doesn't have to tuck a gap t shirt into baggy jeans with a blonde. Because if you see that guy now, you're just like, I bet that guy does not rob banks. Well, now he would have a bunch of tattoos, right? True. He'd have yeah. some crazy haircut with like whatever, and he'd have piercings and a bunch of tattoos. He'd be like, oh, I get it. This guy robs banks. But you watch that movie there, and it's like, what is this guy like in the Fabulous Baker Boys with Jeff Bridges? Yeah. Let's see what's going on. Uh, yeah, from a Netflix standpoint, the stories that would have helped the most, The Cook, uh, Dennis Haysbert, uh, totally in that. Natalie Portman would have been great. Yeah. I don't know if she belongs in this movie. What's Natalie Portman like at school? Where, what, what school do you think? Like she's, what, she, what is she going to? Is she going to Santa Monica High? Is she going to Harvard? No, she's going, no she's going to a, a, a private school, but she's bounced around. Yeah. She was at the center for a year. She got kicked out. <laughs> A whole bunch she's of smoking stuff. weed behind the bleachers, yeah, yeah, no telling question. everybody their stepdad's a cop and that she's it's okay. Yeah. No question. Uh, yeah, so you have that. You have, uh, I would have liked to know more about Van Zant. Yeah. And his whole business and yeah. John Voigt. All we hear is like Cayman Islands offshore. He's like, get me the spreadsheets for the Cayman Islands offshore. Not, yeah, true. Cayman Islands was a big, huge, 85 to huge 95 time for the Caymans. Yeah, yeah. movie. Yeah, a lot of movies were Cayman Islands y. So if they said, the Heat is going to be on Netflix. They're remaking it. Okay. It's going to be 12 episodes. They're blowing out the movie. Michael Mann's involved. He's okay. doing it. Ted- so we're starting with same premise, cop and bank robber who are basically the same except for one central difference. I mean, it doesn't have to be Netflix either. It could be Amazon Prime, Hulu. I don't know if HBO Now has made a commitment to doing like a 12 episode giant. They'd probably just have it on HBO. Right. But let's say one of these places does this. Would you be excited or would you not be excited? If it was a straight remake, I think that there is parts of Heat that I think would be very interesting to see in the modern world. 2016 Heat. Right. So here's the thing, though. I think that all of these kinds of movies that involve surveillance or investigations are ultimately um, much more interesting without the Internet and without like, oh, we can just read his emails and find like. The Departed is the right at the edge where like they're tracking guys based on their like Motorola or their Ericsson brick phones. Remember in 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 Departed, like it's all the stuff in the pocket with the phone and they're they're triangulating it. Heat doesn't have any of that. It's great that they actually have to follow these guys around and watch them with night vision cameras. So I really like that rather than we're just sitting in a truck and we're like reading all these guys' text messages and emails and everything like that. There's a little bit, it's like almost feels like cheating. So I wouldn't want... That, that's part of the problem. Or maybe that would be part of the charm. You remake it in the internet world where you have to make it so that we're we're not old school. Oh man, it was better when there's But no I still internet. don't know if, the, like, I enjoyed, you know, like for instance, this season of Homeland is fine, but it's pretty boring to just watch a bunch of people do stuff on computers no matter I'm what. out. Yeah. That's why I'm out. Yeah. So I just, I would rather he'd stick to the streets and get off the net. Uh, the Homeland broke my streak of I fell asleep during the first four episodes, <laughs> <laughs> which I, it w- would have been a DiMaggio like 56 uh, fall asleep run. If, if All right. So I have some more lessons. When you're robbing an armored truck, don't call anyone slick. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah. If he just doesn't say slick, nobody ever catches these guys. Tom Sizemore. The one sort of unbelievable thing is the way that they it's slick they hone down on slick. this entire yeah. criminal conspiracy he's like you run slick through the bat database you're gonna get the phone book back do it anyway yeah. and then of course yeah they say slick at bj's you know and it yeah. just it, it totally gets sizemore's character yeah yeah it's a little but you always have reaches in these kind of movies yeah uh never leave a living witness 
Yeah. Good to know. Apparently that's the way take out most of the witnesses. Just keep going. Just get rid of all the witnesses. Don't take out 80% of the witnesses. Why leave? Why leave one or two? Do you want to talk now? Because we're talking about that that witnesses thing is what gets Wayne Grow in trouble, right? So he kills a guy and then he's, De Niro feels like he he's making a move, man. He's like, I had to get it on. I had to get it, man. He's <laughs> making a move. Um, you have a lot of problems with Wayne Grow's escape in the parking lot of the diner. So they're about to kill Wayne Grow and yeah. the cop car kind of drives by slowly and, and Wayne Grow somehow Spider-Man's out of there. I don't like the whole diner scene because first of all, when De Niro is repeatedly slamming his face <laughs> against the table, I feel like the other customers would have been more upset about it. They look at, they, they stare they them off. They look over, but not, it's like, yeah. Yeah. It's just, and then they all leave together. It just seems like somebody's calling that into the cops. So let's say you, you and I are at a diner. And we see that happen. We see one guy slam another guy's head into the table four times. Right after uh, a huge armored truck robbery that had four dead cops. Yeah. Which was exit, which was perpetrated What's by four your guys. Move? Is your move just stare straight ahead of me, Chris? Let's start talking about the Celtics. Is hey, it we're getting up and leaving? No, right you now? just you don't move. You just, just don't stay move. there. You don't move. Okay. So they go out and Neo, who I think is a really smart, thoughtful criminal, Definitely. really good at Very what he thoughtful. does. Yeah. Really good. <laughs> Just always makes the right move. Be- starts beating him up. They have the trunk ready. With that's the wrapped. Yeah. The lining, which is great. You see that trunk with the lining, you're in trouble. <laughs> People have put a lot of thought into your murder. Hits him a couple times. Cop comes around and Neo, De Niro, just kind of loses track of Wayne Grow. He's like a up. safety. Like he loses Odell Beckham on the 84 yard pass. Yeah. It's, it's like, but just it's not keep even your like, foot on him. It's like if three defensive backs look the other way yeah. while they're supposed to be looking at Odell. Just put your foot on him. Yeah. He's right underneath you. What are you doing? It's a much shorter movie then. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I guess I get that to me that, and then in the bank scene, the amount of Pacino's coming down the street for 10 minutes. All they're doing is walking from the bank to the car. Val Kilmer's walk from the bank to the car is like, it's like a mile long, even though it's 50 feet away. Yeah. And he's just walking and then Pacino's gaining another block and another, but he's getting out of the car with his gun and Val Kilmer's just still making the 10 steps. Yeah. Little timing issue for me on that one. But that's part of the thing that's really interesting. They, they actually almost do that scene in real time. I, I mean, uh, yeah. so what's another lesson you had there? Uh, after you steal bear bonds from a criminal, don't try to sell them back to him. Can I add a little bit of a footnote onto yeah, that? Yeah, please do. Don't do the, the resell in an abandoned parking lot or abandoned drive-in parking lot on Sentinella. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Maybe just a little bit more public. You well, know, like MacArthur Park. I don't know. Maybe that's a little dangerous, but you just, if you're, all you're doing is a, a simple exchange, maybe don't do it in the most remote place possible. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't like that one. Uh, there's no better threat than I'm talking to an empty telephone. Oh my God. If I call you and ever say that, just run. Because <laughs> there's a dead man on the other end of this dead line. Dead man on this line. <laughs> Great De Niro. Yeah. De Niro's never, I think this and Goodfellas were his two best. I'm just pissed off and I want to wrench somebody's neck faces. Yeah. He just had over and over again. Uh, when your criminal friends, your buddies, your compatriots, when you're planning something with them and they tell you, one guy says the bank is worth the risk. And the other says, for me, the action is the juice. Wait, so you got to give this a little bit. Finish the lesson. Those aren't good reasons to rob a bank. I need more. <laughs> the action the bank is, is the worth juice. the risk. It's like, well, why is it worth the risk? Yeah. That one. and Because well, he's got to pay off his gamblers and get right. Charlene back. Yeah. So I want more info from him, Val Kilmer. And then Tom Sizemore is like, for me, the action is the juice. It's like, so you're a complete psychopath? Well, like, okay. But here's the thing is that the funniest part about that scene is that Neil's like, look, you've got T-bonds. You've got real estate. 
she takes good care of you. You're all set up. Why does De Niro know so much about his financial portfolio? Right. He's just like, I didn't know you worked at Northwestern Mutual. <laughs> and then the best part is that this is like peak. If you want to pinpoint the greatest moment in Tom Sizemore's act, acting career, it's right here yeah, where he takes like scene. a solid 10 seconds of, of beat and then he blinks 50 times and he goes, for me, the action <laughs> is the juice. <laughs> Yeah, it, and he's he's dancing in the ring with De Niro yeah. in his prime. You can too. tell he's feeling it. He's like, he's just I'm, like, I'm taking my ten scene. seconds. I'm showing this scene to my grandkids. When I die, this is going in my obit reel. This is it. The action is the juice. I'm going right at De Niro. He told it. He told his uh, girlfriend the night before. <laughs> De Niro and I are going head to head. Yeah, the uh, that's another st- slight stretch here. Yeah, I I think Neil is too smart to rob the bank when he knows there's that much heat. Right, right. I, I just think he's like, you know what, guys? Let's wait a year. We'll get the heat off us, then then we'll make another move. Well, this guy, he's got to get out of town with Edie. They, right. they have to. They have to go on vacation. Does he have enough money? That's going the, to New Zealand. How right. much money do you need to well, go to live he, in New Zealand? Part of it is that he has a lot of money tied up in some other job, right? That they they tried to do and then it didn't work out. So he had paid all up front for that, and then I think that you know he's not spending money on furniture, and apparently he's not in T-bonds in a in, in real estate. Yeah. Uh, oh, th- this is a good one. This almost could have been a major lesson, but I had it as a minor lesson. Don't stay in the car patiently waiting for your psychotic criminal boyfriend if he mysteriously entered a massive hotel without giving you a heads up. And 10 minutes later, everyone is pouring out of the hotel and dozens of police cars and fire engines have arrived. I'm going to say just drive away. When you're on your way to the airport, have you ever- You're on the way to the airport. I think in two times in my life have I ever been like, I need to stop on my way to the airport and both times have been for Nicorette patches. (laughs) But both times were pretty sketchy when I did it. Like I think that my Uber driver and my wife were both just like, this is insane. We're on our way to the airport. what are you doing? Yeah. (laughs) Juliet, our friend Juliet loves these movies where where the women have terrible choices and men basically. Yeah. And that the whole movie is centered around she shouldn't have picked this guy. She should be with this guy instead. That's like the, the rom-com foundation. He's like, you can leave now or on your own. You take, you take this, you know? Nobody's ever had a worse choice than a man than Amy Brandman in this movie. Oh, it's really I don't bad. care if you've just moved to LA and you don't know anyone. Because like, at least the Diane Venora Al Pacino, like they just so fully know where they are in their right. lives together. And it's like, you know, Amy Brenneman is, is really in for a surprise. She's watching the news and it's like, <laughs> yeah, the biggest bank robbery disaster of all time. 20 people are dead. <laughs> Neil comes strolling home. She's like, did you do this? He's like, ah, it's a book about metals. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I needed it. <laughs> yeah. She should have run. All right. Here's the major lessons that I have. Uh, never fall for a guy with no furniture. We, 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 we covered that. Don't let word get out on the street that it's okay to steal your stuff. No, never, never. I got to say, I feel that way myself. <laughs> Well, here's the thing. What are you going to do about it? If oh, somebody- I might do something. <laughs> are you going to send me and Sean to a drive-in on Sentinella? I might with do a something. Package of t-shirts. Nobody's stealing stuff from Bill Simmons. <laughs> uh, never fall for God. No furniture. You know the risk. You don't have to be there. If it if it rains, you get wet. Yeah. I actually think that could. That's a great high school senior yearbook quote. <laughs> yeah, uh, I had already graduated by the time he came out. So it's I a good put fortune yeah. cookie. Yeah. If it rains, you get wet. It's a fact. Know the risks. If you're going to do something, do it. It might rain. You might get wet. Uh, 
If you have a regular life that revolves around barbecue and ball games, your life sucks. Yes, that's awesome. Can we talk a little bit about like incredible the, the well, domestic life of Vincent Hanna here? Because my favorite parts of this movie are uh, one of my favorite parts of this movie are when he comes home after various long days at the office. And by long days at the office, I mean like investigating murders and major robbery homicides. Yeah, and he comes home and he's just like, "I'm sorry if the chicken." Got overcooked. <laughs> it's such a great line. And she's just like, I'm okay, whatever. Yeah. And then the best is when he comes home and Ralph is there. Yeah, Ralph. Ralph. And he goes, I'm very angry, Ralph. You can lounge around here on her sofa in her ex-husband's dead tech postmodernistic bullshit house if you want to, but you do not get to watch my fucking television. It's amazing. Just, and it's moment. such a shitty and then television. He takes the TV. Yeah. Shut up, Ralph! <laughs> Sit down! <laughs> It's uh, and she's like, "This is what I have to do to get closure. Yeah. I have to demean myself with Ralph. I'm wasted on Prozac and, and I'm alcohol. stoned on grass and That's Prozac. The, yeah, oh man, yeah, that is a messed up relationship. Amy Brennan and De Niro actually, yeah, I feel better about that relationship. Yeah, it's healthier, but a lot less baggage. So, uh, and the last one, obviously, the the famous one, and a great lesson for anything in life: have no attachments, have nothing in your life that you can't walk away from in 30 seconds if you spot the heat around the corner." Um, what I love about this, first of all, great advice for yeah. a criminal to another criminal. He, they work the title of the movie. It's great. But into subtly, the signature It's not quote. like Spotlight. <laughs> the heat. Yeah, heat. You're right. Spotlight? Spotlight. Because right. <laughs> this is a Corolla bit, but when movies shoehorn it in. Yeah. And Corolla sometimes thinks they came up with the title before the plot. But like Face Off's a good example. They have a whole scene where, where Travolta's like, Face Off face off. <laughs> he just keeps repeatedly says title. This one, very subtle, but the movie's called Heat and it's about the heat around the corner and it's about the decisions you make and whether, how much do you care about somebody when you're a criminal? Yeah. Um, is it, who should you be loyal to? Like, if you remember, the heat's around the corner with him and Val Kilmer and Val Kilmer gets shot. Technically, he should have listened should have to himself him. and left, but he loves Val Kilmer. This is another example of why this can't really be remade is because that concept of leaving everything you have in 30 seconds and, and vanishing, I think only the best, greatest criminals could probably pull away with that. You'd have to be planning to do that for quite some time. Because like, even if I had interest in doing that, even if I was like, I'm going to walk out of this place and I'm going to be gone in 30 seconds. Don't do shit, that to I'm me. not going to do okay. that. But I'm just Thanks. saying, I wouldn't be able to do it. There's too much of a digital footprint. People would just be able to like go into my email and be like, oh, you bought a plane ticket to Phoenix. Yeah. You know, like that. you wouldn't be able to. I think that back then you paid for paid for things and checks and cash more. You yeah. know what I mean? It was a little harder to track your money. I don't know. It just seems like it would be impossible to even pull off the basic premise of this movie now. You feel very safe and content about the fact that this movie is confined to a specific yeah, era and it, now it, can't translate to a and different it's not, era. It's timeless, though. It doesn't, feel, it doesn't feel dated, but I don't think that you could do it with a lot of the stuff that's happening now. Um, everything leads to at the end, the heat is around the corner. Yeah. And it's, a, he's it's got a, 30 seconds to decide whether to roll with Brennerman or not. And unlike when he left Val Kilmer or when he kept Val Kilmer and, and saved them, he leaves Brennerman behind. Right. Now, do you think he's leaving Brennerman behind because he has to, you know, he's getting chased, but do you think it's because he wants to keep her safe? I think he's just like, this lady's a loser. If she's still here with the chaos, <laughs> chaos in the hotel, like I got to get rid of her. I don't want to raise kids with her. Man's like view of the end of this movie is very telling because he was like, this guy winds up dying with the person who 
the only person in the world who truly understands him. Are you okay with the hand touching? Yeah, at the end? I think it's amazing. I think it's an incredible moment. I think it's incredible that happens at LAX where all these planes are taking off and landing and it's like departures and arrivals. And I think it, the music is amazing at the end with, uh, I think it's, um, it's a great, the, the, end movies, credit. the movie yeah. track. And, uh, it's very, I find it very moving. In a that's another, yeah. that's another thing that could never happen now is nobody's just stumbling into an area where airplanes are taking <laughs> no off way. and landing. With, we're with, just like, we're just going to go running guns. across runways. Does Pacino catch De Niro? Let's, let's talk about that. Uh, no, I, think I always thought that away. was really unlikely. There's Pacino's working on two packs a day. There's no, you know. Yeah. He's been up for it. two days. It's impossible. And De Niro had a really good head start. The, the reason why this should show in the movie theater every once in a while because so, a couple of these scenes are amazing. And the scene that doesn't hold up on on your normal TV versus in the theater is that airplane scene. Yeah. And the planes and the lights from it's, the planes. The music is so loud. The noise. Yeah. It, it was just such an incredible I feel like ending. like God Smiling Over the Water or something. I can't remember the name of the Moby song, but it's it's really, really beautiful. It's a great ending. I don't have really lessons as much as I have questions. Okay. Enduring questions from Heat. I want to know where the guy is that did the Pacino stunt work when he comes running through the door and tackles Henry Rollins. Oh yeah. Because there's a shot of him and yeah. it looks like Joe Jaravicious. Yeah. It's like all of a sudden Pacino is 22 years younger yeah. and is running slant patterns for somebody. <laughs> Joe Jaravicious. And he's just like coming over. He jumps over yeah. an Ottoman and just tackles Henry Rollins. And then it's one of the great all time cutaway it's this is a stunt guy with a wig and then it cuts away and pacino is like i got you you son of a bitch like holding him right um the other one and this is one of the weirdest parts about the movie is has anyone in the history of american pickup basketball ever interrupted a pickup basketball game to ask where he can get a, a, a loaf of bread which is what val kilmer does at the end when he goes to charlene's apartment and she's just like gives him the hand gesture that says the cops are here you remember it's that big, he, big flaw. And he in the goes movie. up to that pickup game. Those guys are playing in the dark. Yeah. First of all. And he goes, Hey guys, Hey guys, they all stop. Like, yeah. it's not like where they're like, we're playing basketball. You can like hang out for a second. And they come over to the gate. And he's like, uh, where can I get some bread around here? And yeah. they, they act like it's a totally normal question. Like, oh, good question. Who, well, when is the last time anyone's ever asked you, where can I get some bread? <laughs> Gluten-free? What are you looking for? A sourdough? That's true, yeah. <laughs> that scene's very flawed because yeah. there's a massive manhunt for these people that destroyed downtown and murdered all these cops. They know he's coming to see Ashley Judd. Yeah. They know what he looks like. Yeah, he got a haircut. It's not like he, he got a haircut. Yeah, it's like, reconstructive it's, surgery. It's not that bad. He gets he's a also haircut. limping because he's had his clavicle shattered by right. a bullet. Yeah. He's limping. He's looks in pain, gets out of his car, and they're like, yeah, let him go. He checked out. Yeah. He checked out. <laughs> he checked out his Val Kilmer. <laughs> I'm going to do so. Oh, you have more? No, no. That's that's pretty much it. Those are my two main questions. Do you have some more lessons? No, what I what I do have is uh is some Pacino lines I wanted to do. Okay. <laughs> Give me all you got. Give me all you got. By the time I get to Phoenix, <laughs> this can't be karaoke. That scene is my favorite scene in the movie. Actually, it's incredible. The uh the uh chop shop scene when he's just like, "Did you fall in love last night? I'll settle for that. Tell you fell in love last night. I'm okay with that." That he, that he's still in sight of a woman mode yeah. for the first hour of the movie. He eventually, you can tell that's all improv too, because yeah. the two other guys in the scene with him are just like, "What the hell is yeah, going on?" Chino's, <laughs> Chino's on something today. <laughs> Don't waste my motherfucking time. <laughs> I enjoyed that. You can get killed walking your doggy. <laughs> is that with that uh, was a good one? Who is he talking to with that scene? I can't remember. 
Is that uh, Hank Azaria? It's one of the two black guys. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. When he's when right. Who was the other black guy? We to- one was in- Tone Loke. The other was somebody I didn't really recognize. One sec. I think it was Ricky. He was a comedian back then. I think he was like on Def Comedy Jan. Uh, shut up, Ralph. Sit down. What we got? What we got? Ricky Harris. Ricky Harris. Right. The end when he thinks De Niro's gone. What we got? Bon voyage, motherfucker. <laughs> you were good. There was like, there's a couple of scenes where like the, it feels like they didn't quite get the chronology right because there's a bunch of scenes in a row where Al Pacino's like eight hours, eight hours, and they're gone to get a new exit plan. They like these yeah, keeps yeah. talking about their exit strategy and like right. they're and they're out, and he's just like he keeps being obsessed with this. And it's like if you stopped worrying so much about whether or not they were able to get plane tickets and just pursued them, <laughs> yeah. I think you would have caught up to them. After him. Yeah. Uh, all I am is all I'm going after. Yeah, that I was a good that. good line. Yeah, really good line. I, I like am what I am, cops. and I do what I do. Right. And then the best one, only because of the pauses, which were vaguely reminiscent of Pat Summerall doing murder, she wrote. Because <laughs> she's got a great ass. <laughs> and you got your head all the way up it. I don't understand. That scene's incredible. That, that is it, pretty it's, amazing. It's, it's the has best no of, idea what is going on in that scene. <laughs> it's the best 10 seconds of Pacino's <laughs> career. I want to know if that was in the script. Or if Pacino ad-libbed Even it. if it is, the delivery is so on Pluto that like you know that nobody in that scene knew it was coming. Do you think is Azaria just overmatched by the amount of acting talent in the room or was he playing a guy who's overwhelmed? I think he's playing I, a guy who's overwhelmed for sure. I felt like he was overmatched in the Pacino it's scene. Also a like he was kind of like, oh my God, this guy's a Who does he play again? Like a suit salesman from Vegas or something who's, like that? He's having sex with Ashley yeah. Judd. Yeah. Uh, oh, we have a couple more things here. Oh, there... There's a flip side to that coin. There's a f- seven second pause. <laughs> what if I got to take you down? Incredible. Just incredible. Um, has there ever been a better, I'm rooting for the bad guys and I don't know why, but I really want the bad guys to get away movie than this movie. Yeah. it's All these guys are bad guys. They've murdered cops. They just shot armored truck security guards. Right, they're they, all taking hostages. Yeah, they're taking hostages. They blew up a truck and he's <laughs> like, see that? Hey, Slick, see that stuff coming out of their ears? They can't hear you. It's like, these are horrible guys. And I'm and like, like, come on, get away. Just keep shooting. You'll get, get out shooting. of there. Get out. Come on, Val, get him. Yeah. Tom Sizemore grabs a little kid in I the know. park as like a shield. I'm like, oh, good move. Good move. That's also a moment where Pacino makes that shot to save the kid and kills Sizemore. More risky. It's probably one of the greatest, like, sh- like long range shots in in like American combat oh, yeah. history. And he just like drops the gun and goes off running towards the supermarket where Kilmer and Pacino <laughs> right. is. Not even a ha- high five to anybody or anything. Four hundred eighty yards yeah. away. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I can't remember. There have been other bad guy movies, but this is the one where it's if you really take a step back, it's it, the bank robbery scene is very crazy because you think that they're just trapped and and I don't I you know th- this is another reason why in ninety five there wasn't as much information about movies going into them. So mm. I don't think I even knew how long the movie was. I thought the bank robbery scene was going to be the last scene in the movie. Right. So you're and just kind of like, hour. I guess this is it. Yeah. I guess this is, and then it's like, oh my God, yeah. they got away. And now it's another hour of them running. And then De Niro's in the car and he's like, and he's like, what's Van Zandt's address? And where's Wayne Grow? Yeah. And like, Danny Trejo, he like, goes to Danny yeah. Trejo's house. It's like, oh, we're going to go find Wayne Grow? Yeah. <laughs> this is a special bonus. Wayne Grow needed to be in Honolulu by then, though. Like, if you've ratted yeah. out that crew, you're on the first plane to, to Thailand. You cannot stay in Los Angeles. Are you pro or con uh, him hunting down Wayne Grow? Oh, absolutely pro. 
Are you pro or con? Wayne Grove just randomly murdering a young prostitute. So what's for, up with that plot line? That's another television Could have cut that line. one out. Dad, I think it was really, they needed the Pacino hug with the mom. Yeah, and it gives, and it shows like the, I mean, I thought that that actually did a good job. You're talking about like sympathizing with the bad guys. Like that actually does a good job of showing like, you know, just how destructive these guys are, you know? And even though you, you can appreciate, I mean, the thing that's so cool about this movie is, and, and a lot of Michael Mann movies are about this, is they're about the minutia of work, right? Yeah. So they're about the process and the details that go into the solving or the setting up of crimes. And that's what's the best part about like after the truck robbery and there's this awesome shot where it's, inside of the car and Pacino rolls up and gets out and he doesn't even talk. All his guys are coming up to him and being like, this guy saw that they're the fingerprints on this. The detonation device is exotic. And he doesn't even have to ask. He's just pointing and nodding. And you can just, you just immediately feel like you're working with them and yeah. you're learning so much, even if you know it's a movie, but that's the thing that's so incredible about this movie is it's attention to detail. Well, I agree with everything you just said. And I thought in that, uh, I think it was the Rolling Stone thing that was out. Yeah. That came out this yeah, week. Yeah, it was like a Michael Mann as told to thing. I felt like Michael Mann felt this way about the movie, but it was good to hear him say that. So here's his quote. If you track the movie from a storytelling point of view, who are you supposed to empathize with at the end of the film? You want Bob to get away and you want Al to get Bob. I love when people call De Niro I Bob. I love it. I can't do it. I just call him Robert <laughs> or De Niro. Uh, but, so you want Bob to get away. You want Al to get it, Bob. Both are true simultaneously and the two fuse. There's a fusion in the end of the two men in this perfect counterpoint. It's not complicated, but it has complexity. It's ordered in symmetry. And so the way that these stories are told and how these lives are opposed against each other is maybe why we're still talking about heat. So I think he went in that movie and he's like, I want to create a movie where ultimately the audience, there's a chase scene at the end yeah. and the audience is rooting for both guys equally. Yeah. And I'm going to spend two hours and 35 minutes getting to this point. And I think a huge part about the way the movie makes you feel at the end is the fact that it ends with those guys holding hands instead of Pacino gets De Niro and then all the cops come and Pacino and Diane Venora have like a quiet moment where he's just like, I guess he finally felt the heat, you know? I mean, yeah, it, it was like, true. It, you know, it's, it's not, it's not Pacino's movie. It's both right. of their movies. And, and I think that you're left with thinking about their relationship, how they were similar, the one and one way they were different, which is one guy is trying to protect people and another guy doesn't care about protecting people. And you know, even though they're the same in terms of their dedication to something and, and, and the way that that thing defines who they are, like it's really, it's a lot deeper than that. It, it makes, it really does make you, I mean, it makes me quite emotional when, when I watch the end of it. Does it make you emotional that I ruined his whole 30 seconds heat around the corner thing? Cause he did go back for Val Kilmer. <laughs> no, I was never, a hypocrite. I never really You're a hypocrite, Neil. <laughs> I thought, I thought you got away with the heats around the corner. Why are you going back to get Val Kilmer in a shattered clavicle? Yeah. Just start running. You have a bag of money. Just go. We didn't talk about the diner scene. Yeah, let's do it. So there's an, that, the interesting thing about this is that when uh, Michael Mann and Art Linson decided that they were going to make this movie and they decided that they wanted to offer it to Pacino and De Niro, they did it. They had that conversation at the diner that they wound up sh shooting. It's Kate Manolini's. Yeah. It's a, is that now it, defunct? Right. Right. So yeah. that was like a very cool little. Uh, so Kate Manolini's, it's on Beverly Hills. It's on Will. It's in Beverly Hills on Wilshire. And they had a big poster of the two of them face to face. Okay. But remember, there was a whole internet legend in the 2000s that they weren't in the same scene when they filmed it. Right, that there's like over-the-shoulder shots or whatever. It's like they never, they couldn't stand each other and all these different reasons for it. And meanwhile, 
the end of the movie, they're in the same scene for the last 10 minutes. And it ends with them holding hands. hands. Like, I'm pretty sure they were okay with each other. <laughs> yeah. The whole narrative. I don't know why he chose to just show the two angles of De Niro's face with Pacino's head in the background mm-hmm. and then vice versa. But he never did the wide shot of them. And I kind of respect it. Yeah. He had to have had a reason. It's an incredible scene. The movie's leading up to it. You want it to happen. You don't know if it's going to happen. Um, in the theater, I'm like, are these guys ever, is it, you know, it's almost like in basketball, you get like, let's say LeBron and Kobe had actually played each other in the 08 finals, yeah. or the 09 finals. They're like, are these guys going to guard each other? Right. It's like, oh, they're guarding each other. Oh, here we go. I thought the brilliant part about that scene is that the conversation is weird. Like the cover, like for the guys, just like, I have these dreams. Everybody I've ever worked, like these yeah, cases yeah. I've worked, they're looking back at me with eight ball hemorrhages. It's like, it's, and, and De Niro's like, oh, I have that, I have a dream where I'm drowning or something like that. And he's like, they're analyzing each other's dreams. And then they have that conversation where it's just like, I will not hesitate, you know, blah, blah, blah. But there's something about the, how idiosyncratic the conversation is. That's perfect. If they just sat down and started yelling at each other and doing all these big shot lines, I think it would have been a little bit distracting. There's information gathering on both ends. Yeah. And then man tried to make the point in the Rolling Stone piece that, whatever Pacino gleaned in that yeah, conversation. Yeah, Macaulay slips and seems to say like, I'm like, because what, what does he say? Like, the 30 I'm not seconds a monk. around the corner. Yeah, but he says something where he's like, I'm not, he's like, what are you, a monk? And he's like- No, and, I got a girl. Yeah, right. And that yeah. gives it away. Right. Yeah, another bad move by Neil Macaulay. Yeah. Overrated a maybe little bit, Neil maybe, Macaulay. Yeah, yeah. Overrated as a criminal. <laughs> yeah, but low PR as a criminal. I might have a girlfriend, I might not. Yeah. Isn't that the answer? It's a book about metals. Maybe I'm gay, I don't know. <laughs> I'm a metal guy, I don't know. <laughs> I uh, furniture. Who wins the diner scene? Uh, I think it's Pacino. I think he's like a little bit. I th- you think he's on the, the offensive a little? Yeah. I mean, I think that the, it's hard to say somebody wins because I think that those guys were so dialed into playing the roles. Yeah. And Neil, even though Neil gives something away, Neil's very cagey. And I think that Vincent is supposed to be like the aggressor and the guy is trying to seduce him into saying something he doesn't want to say. And yeah, so I think that it's it's Pacino, but it's it's not because De Niro does a bad job. So it's like a split decision. Pacino wins yeah. one fifteen to one fourteen on the card, but somebody else had it yeah. one seventeen to one eleven. De Niro, and they have to have a rematch. Yeah, I wish. I I thought De Niro won. Okay, but I I'm not attached. I mean, Pacino to ultimately wins the movie at the end <laughs> because he De Niro had no shtick at all. Pacino get a little sticky in there, and then at the end, Pacino slightly smiles at the tail end. Yeah. And it's like De Niro broke him a little bit. Like, here we are, just two guys, so Bob and great. Al. I thought it was fascinating that Michael Mann, like that whole thing he said about how that was basically the scene in the movie is the first take, he wanted the energy of those two going yeah, head to head. Yeah, and I think he, they didn't do a lot of rehearsal, I don't no, think either, yeah. I don't think they did. Yeah. And he wanted them to just go, boom. Anything else? Did we cover everything? No, I think it's good. I mean, let me check my list to make sure. You got any more lessons to teach me? Well, what's the other thing is, these guys were never totally the same after this movie. Yeah, Took a lot really out point. of them. So it's like the 87 finals. I want to look at Pacino here. Uh, he does a lot of stuff after this that I feel like is, uh, re- he starts to do a little bit of self-parody and it gets really bad as the, as the career goes on. But after he does City Hall, which is, I think like. No, don't. But it's, Don't. No. It, okay. No. Donnie Brasco, which was supposed to be sort of yeah. in deflating the gangster legend a little bit. Ugh. Devil's Advocate. Yeah, pretty solid. The Insider. He's great in The Insider. He's great in The Insider. Uh, any Given Sunday, which is his last great moment. Not, you can't really criticize Any Given Sunday. It exists in a different plane of he's, existence. He's unbelievable in that movie. Yeah. 
Like he's really speech, great. I would speech. say that's one of his four best performances. The whole movie, he's great. And that's it. Then, then the wheels came off. So I, I do think he... Yeah, until until 2005. So with, maybe he did two for the money. It, the, wheel, the wheels were <laughs> off in 2003. Uh, De Niro kind of gravitated into that weird meets, meet the parents, I'll do any movie, just make me an offer stage, which I think culminated in 15 minutes with... Uh, uh, big Grant Lamb and fan, Ed of, Burns. He's kind of come back a little bit with the the David O. Russell stuff. Yeah, yeah. But hasn't a, done uh, what an amazing performance by Robert De Niro specifically for. God, I'm looking here. It's what what was from Heat? What were the next ones? Well, here's the thing: is he he had a, he had a pretty cool run here. Yeah, he so did. He goes the fan sleepers. The Marvin, fan was awful. Yeah, sleepers not bad. Marvin's room awful. Copland, he's good. In pretty Copland. good. Not not a huge role. Great and wag the dog. Yeah. Uh, Jackie Brown, he's phenomenal in. Unbelievable. Uh, and then, of course, this is a movie. We could do a complete other podcast about this movie, but Ronan. Oh, you know how I feel about Ronan. Also one of the first great DVDs. Uh, one of the all-time great One of the great movies. chase scenes ever. It has actually has a couple great Ronin chase scenes. Ronan is actually the last one. Ronan is, is is literally the last like I think somewhere around some he was making too many movies and somewhere around that time it stopped feeling as special when De Niro was in a movie and I'm not sure when. Yeah. But and now it's like pretty much when he does a a David O. Russell movie, he's pretty good, but otherwise it's just kind of crap. Both of those guys had rigged it so that when they released a movie, I remember when Sea of Love was coming out, I was like, Pacino's back. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. This is amazing. Yeah, because that was when those guys would take like two or three years in between yeah. movies. Yeah. And now Daenerys making like The only three, person who does years. that now is Daniel Lee Lewis. Yeah. Heat 2? Did still, you see it? Still hot? Heat 2? What would, what would the heat's still around the corner? <laughs> Daenerys not dead? Daenerys, he just passed Daenerys out. was fine. He's fine. Edie was like, out. hey, I'm here still. What's going on? Edie saved them. They blood transfused. Oh, what about Heat 2? Natalie Portman's character is a cop now. Oh. Oh. I would see that. She's chasing Val Michael Mann directing Natalie, Natalie Portman as a homicide detective in Los Angeles. And she comes across someone. Maybe it could be a, another a, a, a female bank robber. She falls in love with Neil's son. Does Neil he Jr. Neil, J- Neil Jr. from another He had marriage? a son. We didn't realize. Okay. It was Danny Trejo's daughter. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, Yeah, I would see he too. Yeah. That'd be a good one. Would you reboot it with who, any actors who you think would be good at squaring off against each other? Who would be the two you'd want to put put up? So who is the modern equivalent of the heat diner scene? Yeah. I don't think there is. I don't think anyone means as much to this generation as De Niro and Pacino met in the mid nineties to people who love movies. I think the two guys who are up there, I I think would be for me would probably be Downey and Denzel. Not on the De Niro. No, Pacino. of course not. But in terms of like movie stars who have acting chops. Who would be really interesting to see the two of them square off? I think Downey and Denzel. Who wouldn't be Downey and Leo? Can't can't we all Downey agree that Denzel's kind of on the? But I still I still think that for like when Denzel like really grabs the the stick shift, it goes. You know, it's like oh yeah, I, I think like he that. still has incredible moves. He's getting I mean, like in flight. He's still like oh Denzel's an incredible actor. 
Daniel Day-Lewis and Downey? No, I feel like it has to be like guys who feel like that you'd see them on Wilshire. You'd see them on Figueroa. You'd see them in it. Oh, in that's a, an open challenge to Daniel Day-Lewis. I mean, of course, you Daniel Day-Lewis- You don't think I can do that movie? You don't think I could do it? What? I'll do it. You know, he would probably move to Los Angeles for two whole years and work in an abandoned drive-in just right. to feel like he knew what it was like there. I'm working at an old blockbuster on Fairfax. <laughs> don't you tell me what I can and can't do, sir. I'll do whatever I want, Chris Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> All of our accents now are Larry Mullen Jr. accents. <laughs> All right, Heat. I give it a thousand thumbs up. Yeah. I think it's, I don't think it's aged at all. It hasn't. It's, there's nothing, it's there's just, nothing wrong with this movie. Great. Yeah. Like even Pulp Fiction, I feel like has aged a tiny bit. And some of those movies from the nineties, this one has not, this one could be released in the theaters right now. Heat 2, Natalie Portman coming to theaters in Would you rather Heat 2 or Netflix 12 episode modern Heat? Heat 2, because I want, I want the big screen experience. Right, I want the same go. thing. Yeah. Uh, Chris Ryan, pleasure. Happy 20th anniversary, my friend. Thank you. You too. 